I still believe that personal finance is just as important as ever. Like I, I have not changed my view on like the validity of or the importance of understanding your own finances. But I think my perspective has really gained nuance over time. Hey, this is Allison, and welcome to the Inspire Budget Podcast, where we talk all things budgeting, debt, and saving money. Have you ever had a goal you were working toward, and you were so laser-focused on that goal that almost everything else didn't matter? And then when you reach that point, you realize, um, this wasn't everything that I thought it was going to be. If you can relate to that, then you're going to love this episode where I'm interviewing Katie Gaddy. Katie is the face and voice behind the brand Money With Katie. She focuses on the ins and outs of taxes, investing, spending habits, and how we can row our personal finance boats in the choppy economic waters we exist within. I have a feeling you're going to love this episode. Let's dive in. Welcome, Katie, to the Inspire Budget Podcast. I cannot wait for everyone to get to know you and hear your incredible story and the new outlook you're taking on your finances in 2023. Oh my gosh, thank you. Well, I'm so happy to be here. I'm excited that you're here too. I was perusing your website, which by the way, I am obsessed with your writing. <laughs> Let me just tell you that in this personal finance space, this this space that many of my listeners are like, what is this a thing? Like personal finance bloggers and everything. We are told to write for SEO, which is basically write mm. like a robot so that you are discovered on Google. And it's like you saw that and you were like, nah, that's just not for me. And <laughs> I mean, is that true? You know what? I actually think it's more selfish than that. It's that when I first started, I had no knowledge of SEO. So like I didn't oh, even realize that that was something that I was supposed to be optimizing for. But then once I learned about it, mm -hmm. I was like, uh, well, that just sounds boring. Like writing yeah. like that doesn't sound like something that I would even find entertaining and fun to do. And the entire point of this at that time, especially mm -hmm. is for me to have fun. So I'm just going to keep writing the way that I write. And like, maybe we'll throw a few headers in there that might <laughs> help us get discovered on Google. But yeah, I'm, I'm big fan of like, write like a human and write with a distinct voice. And mm -hmm. it's more fun to read, but it's also more fun for you too. I mean, it who is. wants to sit there and, and write like a Wikipedia entry? No, not me. Not well. No. I don't. I don't want to do that, which is why sometimes I don't like writing my blog posts or I might hire some of them out every now and then because I'm like, yeah. I'd, rather, I'd rather spend my time doing something else. But I love your totally. articles because I, I love that you kind of have taken your readers on this journey from just this beginning stages of learning about money. And I love one of my one of my favorite things that you do that I don't think enough people do personally is that you admit that your view of money or financial freedom or whatever mm. you want to call it, right? The, the big thing you're working towards yeah. has changed over time. Yeah. <laughs> and you go back and you read things that you wrote and you're like, what was I thinking? <laughs> is that, is, I mean, that's true, right? You wrote that. You, you, you said that in one of your oh, articles. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. No, I feel that way all the time. I mean, it's, <laughs> 2023, I mean, I'll look back on stuff that I wrote in early 2020 or even things that I wrote. I used to have a blog before Money with Katie that was not not just focused on money. It was more all over the place and more of a passion project. And yeah, I'll read things that I'm like, dude, you, it's like one of the Dunning-Kruger effect where 
when you don't know very much, you have a very inflated sense of how much you know. And then the more that you learn, the more you realize you don't know anything. That's kind of like where I am on the spectrum right now. (laughs) So, So I like going back and reading some of the stuff that I wrote many years ago and being like, oh my gosh, I've evolved and made so much personal progress Mm -hmm. since then. Like, it's so cool that my views have changed so much because it makes me feel like I'm really paying attention and I'm Mm -hmm. becoming more self-aware and I'm becoming smarter and learning more and like refining my belief system. And I almost think it'd be more concerning if I looked back on everything I wrote four years ago and I was like, yep, it's all, yep, it's all the same. It's like, well, mm, you probably want to evolve a little bit. I've kind of always thought of Money with Katie as a personal project and a living, breathing, authentic reflection of where I am in a journey and what I think other people might enjoy or like being, might be entertained or Mm -hmm. learn from, as opposed to like, this is just a business. And so every decision has to be business first. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, I've seen that a little bit too, a, a tad bit from people. A lot of the people that started following years ago or reading years ago have really enjoyed the journey and like have, have loved to see how things have changed. But then every once in a while I'll hear from someone who's like, uh, I just liked your old point of view better. Like mm. I'm not getting as much out of it anymore because it feels like, you know, you used to be really focused on like frugality and money saving tips. And that's like more what I wanted. And I'm like, you know what? That's great. Like, cause there mm-hmm. are creators that focus on those things. And like, I would love for you to find somebody that's a better fit for you because for me personally, like I am physically incapable of putting something out there that feels not authentic to what I actually believe. And I think that the enthusiasm and excitement, like comes across. And on the flip side of that, if I'm not excited and if I don't really believe it, that also comes across. So I I fully kind of stand by like your opinions should change. Mm-hmm. And even if, to the extent that that's maybe not great for having a very coherent personal brand all the time, mm-hmm. so be it. Yes. And I think that where you are on your, which is where you stand with your money, it's different than you were three years ago. So why wouldn't it change? And it's okay if you don't serve everyone exactly where they are, because there's so many people out there that can talk about those frugality and saving money tips and everything. Mm -hmm. But I do want to hear about how your outlook has changed. What Mm -hmm. was 2020 Katie focused on and how has it changed to where you are now in 2023? Just so people can almost like hear that process and learn that, Mm -hmm. okay, it's okay if I also walk through this process of changing my outlook on money or even money tools along the way. I still believe that personal finance is just as important as ever. Like I I have not changed my view on like the validity of or the importance of understanding your own finances. But I think my perspective has really gained nuance over time because originally I had this very intense goal. I wanted to retire in my 30s entirely from paid labor. And in 2020, I was, I guess, 24. I'm trying to do quick math in my head. 24, 25. I was 25. Okay. And so I thought I had the art. I've got 10 years to do this. At the time, I was making pretty textbook average salary or median income. Mm -hmm. And I did have a side hustle that I had kind of started to spin up that was generating some extra income I was teaching fitness on the side, but it wasn't Mm -hmm. like life-changing money by any stretch. It was just, you know, giving me a little bit extra every month. So 
at the time, this is pre-pandemic, I figured, okay, I'm going to be at this company forever. I'm going to slowly rise through the ranks at this company. So I'll probably get, I don't know, a 5% to maybe 10% raise each year if I'm lucky. And I can keep this side hustle. And so based on my income right now, if I want to be fully work optional by the time I'm 35, like my spending needs to be extremely lean. I need to get Mm -hmm. to the point where I can make my life as cheap as possible. And so I really optimized for just that. It was, Mm -hmm. I'm always going to have a roommate. I'm going to live super beneath my means. I'm going to turn down every opportunity that's costs money effectively. I'm going to get really good at stretching my groceries a long way. I mean, even, even like little hacky things, like Mm -hmm. I'll tell the story sometimes about how, when I would be in the conference rooms at work, I would notice on the outlook calendar, like the scheduling, which rooms had lunch meetings. Oh my gosh. I love it. (laughs) After the lunch meetings would break, I would go in with my Tupperware and like take my dinner home. So I I mean, in a a way it was kind of fun. Like I kind Mm -hmm. of, I'm a competitive person. Yeah, it was a game and I would get competitive with myself so that I'd be like, how cheaply can I live this month? Like, all right, I lived on $1,800 last month. Can I get it down to 1600 this month? And I really like enjoyed doing that. However, because of that, process. And because of my singular focus on saving money, I kind of got really deep into the weeds of other personal finance things, you know, whether that be like investing or earning more income. Cause at one point I was like, wait a second, there's kind of a limit to how much I can trim away. Like, I mean, I have to pay my rent. I have to pay for my car insurance. Mm -hmm. Like these these are not things that I can like go flirt with the leasing guy and be like, yeah, but what (laughs) if I didn't pay this month? Like that's just kind of is what it is. But I noticed that when I would teach more classes or when I would work a freelance opportunity, I could like really increase my income as relative to the total pretty easily. And like with a similar amount of work that it was taking to cut all these corners and find ways to cut costs. And so once I kind of had that light bulb moment of like, oh dude, I can just earn more money. I don't have to you know, focus all my energy on like going, driving, you know, out of my way to go to the cheaper grocery store and get right. cheaper gas. That was a big light bulb switch. And so over the next few years, I really amped up my income. I had a second job. I was doing a lot more freelance. I ended up getting a different job that almost doubled my salary. Money with Katie as a business took off. So there was a point in 2021 where I think I made in a single month what I had made in like all of 2019. Mm -hmm. And that was like, oh my God, I could, I felt like I had discovered the cheat code to life. That was definitely a part of the journey where I was like, okay, I'm just going to like, I'm just going to do this for a couple more years and then I'll peace out. But as I slowly scaled money with Katie up more and more and more and, and left behind these other jobs and found that, oh, actually like I can afford to spend a little bit more money and like, it's not going to make that big of a difference. Like I don't have to be cheaping out all the time. Mm -hmm. I can spend money on travel. I can spend money on going out to a restaurant with someone like it's cool. Nothing. The world's not going to come to an end. I kind of recognized though, that I really like work and it just threw that whole initial goal into a bit of a tailspin. Cause it was like, wow, this whole time I thought I wanted to retire at 35, but like I, j- I think the problem was that I just wasn't doing something that I actually liked mm-hmm. very much. And now I want the freedom to be able to take breaks and I don't want to have to work 60 hours a week, but I definitely don't want to completely disengage from the workforce. And so mm-hmm. it's just an interesting journey to have 
to have gone on because it is all chronicled and fossilized online yes. for everyone to see this thought process evolve. But it's also been really rewarding for me because I'm really thankful for, I guess, the the, the, to the extent that I did embrace the like hustle grind mindset for that mm -hmm. time, I'm thankful for where it's taken me. But I also can see that in a lot of ways, it can be a bit of a distraction and mm -hmm. that it can get you really focused on the wrong things. And it's only when you so-called like reach the mountaintop or like do the thing that you wanted to do that you're like, ah, I don't know if that was actually what this was about. I think this whole thing was about something else. Yes. And I love that you're open to that because I think so many times we set these really big goals. That's a big goal. Like, okay. Yeah. Will you share your number? Like, did you have a number oh, yeah. you wanted to hit? So my number at the time that sticks out in my head, which does sound about right, was about $750,000. That was like my freedom number mm -hmm. because I had gotten it to where I could live really comfortably mm -hmm. at that life stage on $2,500 per month. Okay. And so I wanted to save $750,000 or invest $750,000 mm -hmm. such that I could withdraw $30,000 per year to live on. And I, in retrospect, I don't know if I ever sat down and was like, okay, well, if my income is this and I'm spending this, then getting to 750,000 in 10 years is doable or like, Oh, actually it's not doable. I don't even know if I thought that far. I really? think I just figured that's the number I'm going to get there. Come oh. hell or high water. Yeah. You even I like don't... break it down into a plan. Like, okay, for me to do that, I'd have to invest like a thousand dollars a month or $2,000. You were just like every, you penny. know, in retrospect, I, I may have, but I don't remember it because I think, yeah, I think it was my, my thought process was like, I'm just going to live on as little as possible and invest everything else. And like, it'll get there. Cause I think at that point I had already saved around 200,000. Mm -hmm. And so I think I figured, all right, that's going to compound and I'm going to mm -hmm. be adding more. I'll hit 750 in 10 years. Like no problem. I'll keep increasing yeah. my income. It'll be fine. But yeah, in retrospect, it is kind of funny that I didn't actually like think, oh, maybe I should like actually see what that would require. I think I was just so <laughs> hardcore about it that I was like, it doesn't even matter. It's just everything I can, I'm going to do. Yes. But then you realize you're, you're working towards this big goal, big goal, big goal. Mm -hmm. And then you get there. Well, not, you didn't really get there, but you realize, okay, maybe when I get there, that's not going to actually be what I want to do. That's what you yeah, said. Like you yeah. actually like working and that, I, I mean, I'm sure like that had to be like, what, like some sort of crisis. Cause then it, did you struggle with like, well, then who am I? What am I supposed oh, to be sure. doing? What yes. is the point? <laughs> well, the fact that you just said like, who am I? That mm -hmm. was the crux of it. And that's why it felt so existential because for years, my identity had been that person, like mm -hmm. somebody who was going to, you know, grind until the lights went off, going to escape the rat race, going to have four jobs at all times, like going to do whatever it takes. Like I mm -hmm. really identified strongly with that person. And so I think what ended up happening was part of what I decided to do, or part of what I told myself was the goal was, Hey, I'm going to hit 750 K and then I'm going to do money with Katie quote unquote full time, but just as like my side project, like mm -hmm. it doesn't have to make money. It's cool. If it doesn't, if it does make a little bit great, but like, I'm just going to run my blog as like my thing. And that's going to yeah. be fantastic. Well, what ended up happening was the blog and the brand itself got big enough such that it ended up getting acquired. And then it literally became my full-time job mm -hmm. and the financial kind of goals that I'd set for myself throughout that acquisition process and the, the, the money that came with that, like that goal was surpassed. And then money with Katie became my full-time job. And then I was kind of like, 
cool. So like, you know, you're when I quit. Your thumbs. <laughs> yeah. You're like, all right, well, like, I think it just made me realize like, okay, the real, the problems that I was trying to solve with mm-hmm. money were not about money. Like I wasn't super happy with where I was. I was not as successful as I wanted to be. I figured like, okay, cool. If I can just now have this business, make enough money to support myself, you know, maybe someday it'll become a seven figure business. Like I, I I'll be, be beside myself with joy. Like that'll be the best day of my life. But then that happened. And I found myself just continuing to push the goalpost further and further back where every mm-hmm. time I'd reach a milestone, I'd be like, well, that was cool. But actually what would be really cool is if it was an eight figure business. So let's actually try to do that now. And I still completely, like, I still struggle with this, but it's just, it's really taught me that like money and prestige and success, these are all things that are very easily used as benchmarks for success and happiness. And it just, it's usually not the thing that's going to deliver mm. any sort of like long-term contentment and security the way that we think it will. If we are asking it to serve a psychological purpose, like you oh can build gosh. wealth forever and never feel like you have enough. Yes. So it's been a big process for me to be like, okay, how can I stop making this about checking some box mm-hmm. or like making it onto Forbes 30 under 30 or whatever the flavor of the month accomplishment. It's like, is I'm like, past that. Like, I'm 35. Yeah. <laughs> the, <laughs> the carrot this month. And instead just like mm-hmm. really try to focus on like the craft itself and honestly just gratitude for even getting this far. Like oh I gosh. never thought I would get this far. So I don't want to take that for granted now. Today's episode is brought to you by my budget to build wealth. Here's the truth. I do not believe, actually, I refuse to believe that wealth is just for the rich. I believe that wealth can be built on a budget without sacrificing what you love to spend money on. I fully believe that budgeting is the quickest, most effective way for you to reach your money goals. So whether your goal is to stop living paycheck to paycheck, pay off those student loans that have been hanging over your head, or find room in your budget every single month so that way you can start investing for your future, you're going to need a guide, a plan to get yourself there, which is exactly what I'm sharing in my free training, Budget to Build Wealth. In this training, I'm gonna be sharing three massive mistakes that people make with their budget and their financial plan so that way you can avoid them. I'm gonna be sharing with you the secret to freeing up more money in your budget each month so that way you can send extra money to your goals. And I'm going to be sharing with you my tried and true four-step framework to budgeting your way to wealth without giving up what you love. Plus, there is a very special free gift for anyone who stays until the end. You can sign up by going to inspiredbudget.com slash class or just click the link in my show notes. You'll be able to choose a time that works for your schedule and I'll see you there. I love that you said that. It's like the success, the prestige, all of it isn't the thing. It's what you were chasing, but it's not the thing that led to happiness. And I think the same can be said about stuff, like buying stuff. Oh, I remember dude, sure. my first car that I bought with, well, really the first car I bought was a junk title. And then I got unexpectedly pregnant and I was like, that's probably not safe to drive around my baby in a two-door junk title car. <laughs> so I I got the epitome of suburban mom cars. I mean, not a van, but close to it, a Toyota Camry. I remember test driving this beautiful Toyota Camry that had electric, electric windows, which I'd never had that before. Mm-hmm. I always had the crank windows, a CD player, which was like, 
amazing because I had the tape player that you stuck the tape thing in. It had leather seats. And I remember test driving this car and I, it wasn't even brand new. It was just a used car. But I literally remember thinking, I will never come down from this. This, I know, right? Cute little Allison pregnant. It was probably the emotions, but I remember thinking, (laughs) I will never, like, this is it. Like, I am so happy and this is so amazing. And I will always, I know, I know, I will always feel happy because I reached Mm -hmm. this moment where I have an automatic CD player in my car, a sunroof, which hello, that's just incredible. And automatic windows. I know, right? Thanks. (laughs) I remember think I, I literally was thinking this in my head and being like, this is, this is the key guys. I found the key to happiness and it's a Camry. Mm-hmm. And four days later, guess, guess what wore off like that yeah. feeling. And I think that mm-hmm. we see that so often in stuff, but you're right. The same could be true when it comes to like success. What's the point of grinding and grinding and grinding at work to get that promotion when all you're doing is spending time away from your family or you're not really happy with who you are once you get to that point. So my Mm -hmm. question is whoever's listening, whether they are kind of looking off at that far off thing, whether it's a, whether it's an item, whether it's a money goal, like paying off debt, or like you said, investing to a certain amount, what do you recommend they do to kind of help slow them down? Mm. And really, <laughs> we're just getting into therapy here. Can you be a therapist? What, <laughs> do they, what do they need to do to slow themselves down and almost say like, okay, is this really the thing that is going to truly make me happy? And then how do I enjoy the process in the moment? And so, yeah, if you could just be everyone's yeah. therapist, just for like the next Oh, 10 you minutes. Know what? I've spent well, a lot of money on therapy. So, so I, I. I hope I can give you something good out of this, but it is something that I continue to struggle with. And so I definitely want to couch everything I'm about to say in we're joking, obviously, but I, yeah, I don't, I, I'm not a psychologist. So like, right, this is of course. really just my, my opinion, of but course. I'll tell you what I tell myself every morning, which is you need to just focus on your craft, like focus Mm. on the inputs. And if you focus on the inputs and you focus on honing your craft and being as good as you can be and getting lost in what you're doing, like your outputs will always be good. But when you focus on the output, you are guaranteed to experience disappointment because you cannot control outcomes. And so I think Mm. we it's, you know, especially on the, like the stuff or the prestige, like all of these things are whatever you want to slot in that placeholder. All of these things are just kind of empty promises that like, yes. they're going to make you feel a certain way. And I had an interesting conversation with somebody a few weeks ago where they said, if you ask yourself, like, what, what's my goal? Like, what do I want to do? Okay. Well, maybe I want to buy this or I want to achieve this. And then you say, all right, well, how will I feel when that happens? Mm. what your what the goal is is that feeling the goal is not the thing the goal Ooh, is the feeling and so it's like if amazing. you can if you can bypass the thing itself and actually identify like what feeling am i trying to get out of this experience that can give you some insight into kind of where you're coming from and i would add that i think as humans is at least i have a tendency to only compare up not down uh, so yes I look at people that I view as more successful than me or more impressive than me. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm so insufficient. Like I look at them as proof that I'm not doing enough. Mm -hmm. And when I stay in my own lane though, and I look at myself a couple of years ago and compare myself to her, 
then I feel progress and I feel gratitude and I feel like a a sense of self-efficacy. So I think when it comes to slowing down, it's, it's that idea of how can I focus on what I'm doing in this moment? How can I focus on, okay, maybe I'm, I'm writing a blog post or maybe I'm working toward an investment goal and like really focus on being present in that particular, Mm -hmm. that particular point in the journey. And like, it sounds so cliche, but I think it's a aphorism because it's true. Is that like the journey really is the destination and everyone knows that if you've gotten into the front seat of the Camry and you're like, oh, this is amazing. I'm never going to come down. This is the pinnacle of my life experience. And then a week later, you're like, nah. Yeah, I'm kind of over it. Like, dude, it's it's your brain chemistry. Like, mm-hmm. you're always going to be searching for that next hit of dopamine. So, I think unless mm-hmm. you can like really rewire yourself to stay in the moment, and it takes work. I mean, it's mm-hmm. not something that you're just like going to become aware of. I'm like, ah, oh, fixed it. Like, it is ev- literally every single morning. I have to be like, okay, what are we going to create today? And like, how is it going to be better than what we made yesterday? And how can I get lost in something for the next few hours? And like that to me is enough. Like that is success. I love that. I I love that. And I love that you said it's chasing an emotion. Like whoever, mm-hmm. whoever you had on had this conversation with and said that. And then I, I even want to throw in an ad. How can I replicate that emotion in my present day? Because I think. Yeah. So I I remember when we were paying off debt, I was like, I will feel financially secure when I will feel financially secure when this six figures of debt is paid off. And then that six figures of debt was paid off. And I was like, oh, crap, I have to I have to invest. I have another thing I have to do. And so it's like, okay, what could I have done instead in those moments? Just really small things to make me feel financially secure in that moment. Maybe the thing that made me would make me feel financially secure is to set up my bills on auto draft. So that way I don't miss a bill payment or, you know, Mm -hmm. open up a savings account to help save an emergency fund. I love the idea of like chasing, not chasing the emotion, but identifying the emotion, just like you Mm -hmm. said, and then asking yourself, what can I do to create that emotion today? Because an emotion is an emotion. Like we can do small things to get that. And we don't all need to be chasing the Toyota Camrys in our life. Like we are better than that. We are better. I'm a little embarrassed now that I shared that story because I'm like, that's what I no, thought. Like, I think that, that that's like 24 year old so 24 year old Allison. I'm like, I made it, guys. I'm a teacher. I have a Toyota Camry. Is no scratches on it yet. Is leather seat live in large. I right? yeah, but like, that is an accomplishment. But it's like it kind of goes to show. It's like that in itself is a story of progress because mm-hmm. you probably would not have that same reaction now. And like I think that's that is natural too. Like I was th- mm-hmm. talking to somebody yesterday about how there's there is some valid pushback of like you want to make sure that you don't succumb to lifestyle creep too extremely, right? Like, Right. You know, you don't want to get the camera and they're like, well, now I need the Mercedes to get that same <laughs> hit. And then you get the Mercedes. Like, well, now I need the Maserati to get that. Same yeah. Hit. Like, there's always another up level. And so it's a very slippery slope if mm-hmm. you aren't careful or aware of it. But to some extent, like that desire to externalize progress and to experience the, the proof of your success and hard work is very natural and is mm-hmm. very human. And I think it makes sense to accept it as such and then work with it rather than deny its existence, which I think is why so much of my original frugality obsession was kind Mm -hmm. of unrealistic because it's like, well, dude, you're not going to be able to always live on $2,500 a month. Like you're 25. You can live on that now, but 
what if you want to have a kid? Like you're kind of pigeonholing yourself mm-hmm. into a lifestyle through these decisions that you probably are not going to want 10 years from now. Yeah. So I don't know. That's, I, I would just say like, it's, it's okay to celebrate progress. It's okay to be proud of yourself and to see these things as accomplishments because they totally are. Mm-hmm. But but I think when we kind of lose the force for the trees and all we care about is the accomplishments, yes. all we care about are the big milestones. It's like, well, you, you quite literally will never be done then. Right. And like, exactly. that's, that's not a happy way to live. No. So for everyone's homework, if you're listening, the goal is to write down what you're working toward, whatever it is, wh- whether it's a number saved, a number invested, a number paid off, a, a, per- a thing bought, and then what is the emotion behind it? And then how can you replicate that in your everyday life? And then where do they send their invoices to for our today's therapy <laughs> session? <laughs> you can Venmo me. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. That's how I pay my therapist. I pay Venmo. Oh, wow. See, I don't do that. This was so great. I love it. Where can others learn about you and hear, hear more of what you have to say? Yes. Well, if you like podcasts, if you're not sick of the sound of my voice yet, you can listen to the Money with Katie show. And I'm just at Money with Katie pretty much everywhere else. Mm -hmm. Yes. And we'll link to that in the show notes as well. Katie, at the end of every episode, I love to ask my guests three questions just to get to know them better, even though I feel like we already know you pretty good now. But the first question is, what is something that you're looking forward to? We are launching a second show all about side hustles and entrepreneurship. Yes. Going from zero to one to your during your nine to five. Yeah. So I'm I'm excited about it and a little bit terrified of it because I've I've it's slightly more out of my wheelhouse, but we will Mm -hmm. have a co-host and I think it'll be really cool. That's exciting. But yeah, it's exciting. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that. And I'm, I think it's going to be a good challenge and a good chance to get back into like beginner mindset. When does that launch? I'm not sure yet. Sometime later okay. this year, we're, we're okay. pretty early on still just like getting conceptualizing done and like trying to figure out who would kind of bring an interesting voice to the show mm-hmm. as well. But yeah, that should be coming soon. Oh, co-hosts are fun. I have a I have a podcast with Chris Browning and it's it's so fun to have a co-host as long as you get along with them. Oh, it's yeah, really great. Totally. Yeah, it's so. it's a different world than what yeah. I'm used to. Okay, the second question is what is one money mistake that you've made that you would tell everybody to avoid? Yes. All right. This one is top of mind and I wouldn't say it's definitely an avoid like I think there is a world in which it would not make sense for everybody as with most personal finance things, mm-hmm. but I would shop around for a pet insurance rate if you have animals and see what you can get. I did not get pet insurance for my dog and we have spent about $15,000 in the last year because she got bone cancer on her skull. Oh my gosh. Removed and like there were a couple other things that went wrong where like, yeah, I I won't give you the whole medical spiel, but it was terrifying. It was sad. It was obviously very expensive and you know how it is. You love your pet. Like they could have told me it was going to be a hundred thousand dollars. I'd have been like, well, I guess we're selling everything we own because I'm going (laughs) to, we're definitely going to do this. But anyway, had we had pet insurance, those types of catastrophic Mm. expenses, we would have been protected from that. Mm. And fortunately we had a big enough emergency fund to where we were able to just keep paying for it. Right. But in retrospect, obviously I wish we would have gotten insurance for her. So I would say in general with insurance, like 
limit your downside risk. If you have a lot to protect, protect it. Car insurance, renters or homeowners, Mm -hmm. umbrella insurance, maybe pet if you have pets. Like just be aware of like where your financial vulnerabilities are because it did not occur to me until that entire process started that like it can get very expensive very quickly. And like we were kind of just vulnerable to whatever. Actually, I did a deep dive, like a huge research deep dive into pet insurance because we have a new puppy and I was pro pet insurance and we were going to do it. And then he essentially ate something and had a past history. So we would not have qualified for pet insurance because we waited too long. Yeah. I found that like people fall in two camps. It's either it's amazing and it's the best thing ever because their animal had this very expensive thing, or it's like just a total waste of money and just total. Yeah. And I was willing to do it. And then he ended up doing all these things and you have to submit your vet bills and past history and he would have been denied. So, yeah. So, which is like such a classic. It reminds me of like how the health insurance system works where they're like, Oh, there's something wrong with you. Well, (laughs) too bad. We don't want to do it. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. And then the last question is not even a question at all. Just finish this sentence. My favorite thing I've ever spent money on is I took my friends to Tulum for a weekend in December and it was amazing. Like I paid for the trip. They paid for their flights, but I paid for Mm -hmm. everything else. And it was just one of the greatest experiences. It just felt like such a celebration of how far I've come. And then like to have it with these people who I love, it was just so freaking cool. It was expensive, but it was like just one of those things I'll never, ever forget. I've also purchased some like designer things as like, oh, I'm going to like celebrate whatever. And none of them came close to like the memory dividends Mm -hmm. of a trip like this. And I'll also say that I love buying books. I don't know why. I mean, I you know I could just go to the library and eventually I'll probably make that switch. But there is something about having your own copies of books that you can write in. You can like doggy ear the pages. You can mm-hmm. have them on your bookshelf, come back to them. Like I just love reading so much. And so that books are a big one for me. Like I, I probably buy a book a week at this point. <laughs> you should. I think that's, I mean, how much of that is actually like going to eat up your income, like a book a week. Right. It's like, it's, it's a, you can, you can budget for a book a week. And I think you get so much out of it too. Like the ideas that you can carry with you and they shape the way you think. I don't know. I love buying books. Oh, that's great. Well, I, I've always wanted a library in my house. Like I'm big on same. Like I had this dream with like a big library and we have this room in our house. That's just kind of dead space. And I, I was like, to my husband, I said, we should turn one wall into a library and he's very minimal. He was like, sounds like more stuff to dust. Like this sounds terrible. We (laughs) want to get rid of stuff, not bring more books in. I'm like, dang it. But then I also have ADHD. So I do better with audio books in general. (laughs) I don't, I don't do well with like physical copy books. I tend to get a little bit distracted. Oh my gosh. That's so funny. Your husband sounds hilarious too. I love that he's thinking in the framework of how much stuff has to be dusted. And he, and we have a housekeeper. Not even think about that. We have a housekeeper. He doesn't dust. We have a housekeeper that comes out. Even better. Wow. He's looking out for her. I know. He's just like, sounds like more stuff to collect. Sounds like more stuff. He's just, he's, he does not, he is the purge. He purges everything. We haven't used it in like three months. It's gone. It's out of here. Dude, that's which me. I love. I'm like, I'm thrown, I get stressed out. I'm throwing mm-hmm. stuff away. Where is that? I'm like, oh, yep. I pitched that. Sorry. Exactly. Exactly. You, you that's how he shown is. interest in it in a few weeks. Oh, so yeah. it's in the trash. His thing is if he finds a Nerf dart on the floor, it goes straight to the trash. I'm like, <laughs> 
where the like you're we're gonna replace these what are you doing like yeah you're the one that plays with the nerf guns with the kids and so it's oh just straight God. in the trash can i'm like you are you're driving me crazy he's the that's... reason why our landfills are so big but your house is clean so that's it, it is clean but there's also no books allowed because of the dusting situation <laughs> Anyway, Katie, thank you so much for joining us. I'll link to your podcast down below and I hope everyone goes to check you out. Oh my gosh. Thank you. This was so much fun. I really appreciate it, Allison. Yeah. We'll have you on again in the future. You'll have to talk about your new side hustle podcast in the future. Oh yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Bye. I hope you enjoyed the interview with Katie. I know I did. And I think that it's so important that as we are working towards goals, whether they are money goals, relationship goals, business goals, work goals, family goals or just some sort of personal goals that we stop along the way and make sure that we're doing what we can to enjoy the process and look towards that feeling that we're trying to achieve instead of always the success. If you enjoyed today's episode, it would mean the world to me if you would leave a rating or review. I read every single review that I get, so I can't wait to hear yours. I'll be back next Thursday with a brand new episode on the Inspire Budget Podcast. See you then.